Hello humans, and welcome to another episode of Tending Trauma with me, your host, Thomas F. Weber. Today we're joined by Nicole Housen. Thank you for joining us, Nicole. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a pleasure to have you here. Um, would you um, mind taking some time to introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. Yeah. So I am 27. I grew up on a dairy farm of all places um, and <laughs> now run a social media marketing company. So um, as far as my dad's concerned, I work for Facebook. Um, <laughs> I don't, but uh, that's what he tells everybody. Okay. Um, but uh, I, I started my business about six year, years ago in 2014, right after getting the diagnosis of bipolar disorder. Um, and that was kind of the start of trying to find something I could do while I was working at home, working on my own recovery. Okay. Was that the inspiration for you? Yeah. Nice. Wow. That's, that's very bold to start something off right from a, how, how is it, how has that been um, running that? It's been really good. I mean, there's lots of learning experiences. I've um, had to learn how to manage my mental health and a business at the same time, mm -hmm. um, which can be difficult sometimes. I did have um, a blip where I was like, you know what, my mental health is complete trash. I've burnt myself out and uh, I got to rebuild everything. And it really sucked, but I learned a lot from it. Um, and I, I'm stronger because of it. Oh, that's that's really cool. Yeah, you you um, found a way to um, widen your challenge window, sounds like. Yes, yeah, for sure. Very cool. Yeah, so I'm, I'm curious, you know, so you, you, it sounds like you, you had like a personal history with, with mental illness. Um, was there anything that like within that, that, that kind of like um, set the stage for you wanting to um, start the, your company? Yeah, so I was diagnosed with uh, depression and anxiety when I was about between 14 and 16. Um, and then it wasn't until 2014 that I got the bipolar disorder diagnosis. Okay. And um, I ended up getting that because I had what we now know as a manic episode in 2013, and it lasted about a year. Um, oh, wow. So so for what that looked like for me was this um, very conservative, conservative Christian um, raised person um, moved to the other side of the province with her boyfriend and started drinking and all, all the stuff that growing up, it was like, you never do this. Um, so it was very, I was in school to be a pastor. Like I completely blew everything up that I, that I had worked so hard for um and it was very uncharacteristic mm -hmm. and nobody really knew what was going on it made a lot of people really angry because it just didn't make any sense I was working at a church at the time and I just kind of left um and uh I ended up I ended up moving up to the other side of the province and then as I the manic episode kind of stopped um, I hit like a really deep level of depression. Mm. Um, so I ended up going to the hospital over the course of a month or two, so many times and saying like, I'm not okay. I really need help. Like there's gotta be something that somebody can do for me. I went to different clinics. Um, 
and going to different clinics. They were like, oh, try this medication or you can do this. But nobody told me how the medication works. Nobody told me I shouldn't be drinking while taking the medication. Oh, nobody really? told me not to take the first medication with the second medication. Um, so in the process of all this, I'm taking medications that are never supposed to be taken together and um, ended up having many seizures. And it just, it was a, it was a complete mess. And we thought I was having migraines, they were giving me morphine for migraines and again, a side effect of the medication. Um, and so oh. finally, I just hit a point where I was like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. It's too much. So I went to the hospital, I talked to a crisis worker and I said, listen, I need help. I'm not coming back here again. So I, I need help. I, I don't want to leave here without help. And they sent me home anyway. So that was, that was kind of my answer. Um, so the next night I attempted suicide um and was rushed to the hospital and um they released me the next morning without any support yeah so i went home and i attempted a second time um at that point um i i had messaged somebody from home um and and asked them to say goodbye to my parents for me and so my parents found out got in a car and drove uh the nine hours in the middle of the night um, and showed up the hospital, not really knowing if they'd even be allowed to see me, but they just, they, they knew something was wrong. Um, and so they showed up, uh, the hospital released me to them. Um, and we came back to home, um, in Windsor, Ontario. And, um, I started my recovery. So talking to crisis workers, getting into a psych, uh, psychologist, um, getting into wellness programs to kind of teach me how to how to start living my life again and rebuilding my life wow that sounds really scary it i mean it was it was not my favorite time of my life that's for sure yeah yeah you know i've um worked as a clinician for a while and um, that story sounds all too familiar you know the not getting support after a suicide attempt mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, do you feel like you, like what, what did help you get through that at time? Um, I think my parents stepping up, um, uh, and just showing up, like, I didn't know that they were coming. Um, and just knowing, like I had done everything to destroy my relationship with my family and was paranoid that they were out to get me and, and all the things. And they, it didn't even, they didn't even flinch. They were like, Nicole needs help, go on to get her. And they, they forgave me without even being asked. Um, and so I think that was like a moment of like, oh, okay, you know what, this is interesting. But um, I ended up, so when we moved, when they brought me home, I saw um, a, a crisis or a psychologist that was in the crisis center. And we told her the whole story, gave her the bags of medication that I was on. And she's <laughs> like, oh my goodness. And she gets down right in front of me. I couldn't make eye contact. I was just so embarrassed by the whole thing. And she got down in front of me and she made eye contact with me. She goes, Nicole, this is not your fault. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh. Okay. All right. And I've just felt so relieved in that moment. She's like, there is no way if you gave what's in this bag to anybody else, they would have had some sort of episode like the the yeah. medication alone without having a mental illness is going to cause all these issues and so we were able, able to they taught me what bipolar disorder is and it was like the 
missing puzzle piece for my entire life. And I was like, oh my gosh, all these things that I thought were flaws in my personality are part of, they're part of me, but they're part of my, my mental illness. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like now I can manage this and learn how to deal with it because I, I, I have a name for it now. Wow. That's incredible. So you had just been, it doesn't sound like you'd even been diagnosed. They just kind of were like, hey, try out these drugs and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And they put me on antidepressants because I was depressed, which uh-huh. you take antidepressants when you have bipolar disorder, right. it causes a manic episode. So it was just this never ending uh-huh. cycle. Yeah. Yeah. I know that, um, you know, brain chemistry is a, is a funny thing. Mm-hmm. And for some people, those medications can make a difference, but it's uh, it's a, it's a very different game for different people. Yeah. Wow. So after you, so it sounds like yeah, you were you were you were in something that wasn't your fault. You were basically thrown into a psychological state based off these drugs. That uh, that for it sounds like for a whole year what was. Um, was out of your control. Yeah. Yeah. Did it did it feel like there there was like a, a, a transition during that year um, that wasn't there before? I feel like during that year I really lost touch of who I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I all the things I like I remember thinking having moments of clarity where I was like this is not me. This is, this is not what I want to do. I am not happy here. I'm not happy with what I'm doing. And um, at one point I called my mom and I said, Hey mom, can I come home? And she said, no, Nicole, you need to finish. You need to finish school up there first. And the next time I talked to her, I was like, no, no way. I'm never coming home. Blah, 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 blah. Um, And it was that moment of clarity. And my mom and me have talked since then. And she was like that. I should have at that moment been like, yep, we're coming to get you. She's like, I, if I had known that this was a mental health issue, I wouldn't have even second guessed it. Um, she's like, I just thought I you were going to find yourself um, and <laughs> becoming your own person. And really that, and that's what I thought I was doing too. Sure. Um, and so it, it just, that wasn't the case at all. Wow. Wow. So, so at that, at that, like at the time that you, you got diagnosed, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm both curious, did you, you started um, the, the company right away? Or did you do any, did you do any like research on like what it was like, you, you were saying like, it was like a puzzle piece. And mm-hmm. I'm curious too, like what, what, what um, you learned? Yeah, so um, I was diagnosed, I, I took a few months before I started um, working. Okay. So I, um, I went through a wellness program, it was about three weeks, they really taught you about like self care and, and explained anxiety depression how you're not going to die if you have a panic attack Um, Mm -hmm. the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to pass out like that was a really that moment when I found out that I was actually going to be okay I don't know how many panic attacks I had where I I genuinely thought you know what this is it Mm -hmm. I'm going to die hyperventilating and so learning all these things I was like oh my gosh like I wish somebody had sat me down and, and taught me all of this um so I went through the wellness program and I did a bunch of research. And one of the things that I had found was uh, I was in these bipolar group forums and that sort of thing. And so many people were talking about 
how they couldn't hold down a nine to five. They couldn't, they couldn't do this. They couldn't do that. And I was like, I don't, I don't want this for my life. Like I am not ready to give all this up. Like I, I, I want to be able to get married one day and have a, a healthy relationship and, and be successful and all of the things. Um, and I just, I knew that I, at that point, I didn't believe that I could work a nine to five, um, just with my mental health. And honestly, in all fairness, I probably couldn't have been at that point because of sure. getting used to medication and everything. Um, but I decided I wanted to go to school for marketing. Um, and the program started in January. And so it was about October, I believe it was. Um, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to get a job I can do from home. And when I had been in college in Belleville, I had taken a social media marketing class and I really loved it. So I was like, you know, what? I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to see if I can get a client in social media marketing. Mm -hmm. So I, I put an ad on Kijiji, which is the Canadian version of Craigslist. Oh, Not how okay. I recommend you get a client in social <laughs> media, but that's what I did. Sure. Um, <laughs> I got my first client and, um, worked with them. And then over time, while I was in school, I, I gained more clients. So by the time I graduated, um, everybody else was looking at jobs at agencies and businesses. And I had one. Um, so it, like, it didn't make sense to get rid of all my client base and just yeah. get a job somewhere else. So I just kept going with it at that point. Wow. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad that worked out for you. It sounds like um, it must have been something that ended up being a really important calling for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, now that you've been running it, I'm I'm curious. You know, I, I, you know, I've um, looked at the at the blog and um, seen some of the, you know, many different um, people you have on there. I'm I'm kind of curious. Um, what um, you've learned um, about kind of advocating um, through that medium um, for people in terms of helping people with trauma. Yeah, um, so I, I run Define Shadows. It's a mental health blog. I have several different writers with me. Um, I also write for The Mighty. And I had first originally started just kind of work my way through understanding my depression, my anxiety, my bipolar disorder. Um, and so I was just writing out my story and like thinking back to different episodes and things that I had had before my diagnosis and putting um, things into place. And um, I kind of just, I started sharing my experiences and people were like, oh my goodness, you know, I, I've been through that. Or my sister has been through that. Or you suddenly just, I now understand what my husband's going through. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is exactly what I want. Um, so I just kind of kept going. I started writing for the mighty. Um, and every time I put out an article, I get messages back saying like, you know what, this is exactly what I was looking for. I literally have on my wall, on my wall of my desk, screenshots of people's messages saying like, oh my goodness, like I cried when I read your, your article. This is what I've been trying to tell people for, for months. And I'm like, oh, awesome. Like that's, if I'm going to go through it and I'm going to suffer through everything that I did, it sucks, but I want to make sure that somebody else gets something out of it. Um, and I want to be able to help somebody else through it. Um, whether it's just letting them know that, you know what, you're going to be okay. Mm. Um, like there's been moments where I was like, I am, I 
don't believe it. I'm not confident I am going to be okay, to be honest, but, um, but knowing like that somebody else has been through there and I don't want anybody ever to look up bipolar disorder and then decide based off what they're reading that they can't have a, a successful and fulfilling life. That was like the most devastating. It was like a death of a dream that I like, and it didn't have to happen because it's not yeah. true at all. Um, yeah. So seeing that, like, that's one of the things that I want to make sure everybody else who has bipolar disorder realizes that we're not, we're not limited to what we can and cannot do. Hmm. Yeah. It sounded like that, um, like those skills that you gained, like learning how to cope with things and, and understanding that like, um, you know, certain things wouldn't, wouldn't weren't a death sentence um, seemed to make a, a big difference in your ability to, to, to carry yourself through, through them. Absolutely. Is, is that something that, I mean, I'm, I'm just curious, like what, what's, what stood with you as like um, helping you to, to deal with your, your um, symptoms now? So learning how to do self-care has been really, really important and setting boundaries. I think those Mm. are the two most important things that I've learned. Um, And they're applicable for running my business uh, as well as my, just my mental health in general. Um, But I had to, up until probably two years ago now, um, when somebody's like, you need to take time for Mm self-care, I would roll my eyes and be like, oh my gosh, whatever. Right. I am not a bubble bath and face mask kind of person. And I was like, okay. I don't, That's I don't want to. When they say self-care. Yeah. I'm like, this is not me. This is, I don't, this doesn't sound relaxing. Right. But for me, self-care looks like making a coffee in the morning and reading a book or talking to my sisters for a little bit before I go to work. Mm. And that can be my self-care. Um, and so learning that, um, was really, it was a breakthrough realizing that everybody's self-care looks different. And as long as it's helping you, um, revive you a little bit, um, that's the goal. As long as it's not draining you, um, then it can be self-care. It doesn't really matter what it is. I see. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think it's, um, like you're saying, yeah, there, there is the stigma that self-care is, um, taking a, taking a long bath, but, uh, it sounds like you know, what, how it presented for you, like you know, drinking coffee, talking to you, to your sister, you said, um, it, it sounds like it's, it's a lot more about um, not being so hard on yourself, you know, finding some way of um, harboring your sanity um, with, with yourself and, and being nice to yourself in some way. Absolutely. Wow. So, so you, so you did that. That was, did you mention, I I think you mentioned another one um, beyond self-care. Yeah. So setting boundaries has been really important too. Um, Like just setting, it's one of the things uh, like I work in social media. I run a social media marketing company. I spend way too much time on social media, like every other person in the world. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sure. But Um, I've learned, so especially in the last year with this whole pandemic and everything, Mm. the amount of people that were like, I'm going off social media, I can't handle it, there's too much negativity, and I kept looking at my feed going, where on earth is all this negativity? I'm not seeing it, and I realized not everybody goes through their feed and deletes anybody that posts anything negative. Mm. Nobody has those boundaries in place where it's like, you know what, grandma, I love you, but you cannot be in my feed anymore. You are not, it's, this is not healthy for either of us. Um, and, and just muting them or hiding them or unfriending people or unfollowing mm. them. Um, I, 
I'll go through and unfollow a couple hundred people every once in a while on Instagram. There's been influencers that I followed for three or four years, watched their Instagram stories every single day. I know their children's names and their pets' names. <laughs> and then one day I'm like, you know what? They're making me feel bad about myself. This isn't helping me anymore. And wow. I unfollow them. Um, and sometimes it feels like you're losing your best friend. But you know what? <laughs> like when you when you suddenly set that boundary, you're like, you know what? This is not uplifting me anymore. This is actually, right. I'm this is tearing me down get rid of it you don't need to keep putting yourself in that situation um i agree protect yourself from that yeah yeah that's that's really good advice do you feel like you it presents in any other ways like other than social media yeah so setting boundaries even like just in family members um learning like in friendships um we have so my best, my best friend has anxiety as well. And so we've learned how to set boundaries. There's certain topics we just mm. don't talk about because um, nice. we have different side of views and it's not, it's just not worth fighting over it. Mm. Um, and we, we can do that. Um, we also like, we have, we, we call it anxiety says. So when, because we both have anxiety, um, we get kind of like stressed out. Um, or we were like, you know, I'm having a lot of anxiety about this. We've set this boundary that if you say anxiety says you're mad at me, then the other person goes, dude, I'm not mad at you. And you're like, oh, okay, good. And there's, there is nice. no judgment whatsoever. So anxiety oh, says that you're mad at me because I wore a purple shirt today. And the other person's like, I'm not mad at you. And you're like, okay, cool. And it's not like, oh my gosh, you're such an idiot. Why on earth would you think I'm mad at you because you wore a purple shirt. Like it's, yeah. it's, there is no judgment. It's just like, this is what anxiety is doing to me today. Help me, yeah. help me through it. And so like having those conversations with my friends um, because of my bipolar disorder, having conversations with friends and family and saying, this is what I look like. If I'm having a manic episode, I might take a huge step back from you because we're going to fight to make sure I get back to stable as fast as possible. And I hurt people when I'm manic. And I don't want to hurt you. So that might be what happens. And like, just be aware of that. And I love you. And that's why I'm doing this. Yeah. Um, but having, setting those boundaries ahead of time, um, even like in the, in the business, setting boundaries with clients and customers and work hours and um, everything like that, like boundaries are so important. Yeah. I just wanted to, I just wanted to compliment like that, uh, that strategy that you know, anxiety says like what a great way to identify the quality of your thought and then bring it into a forum with with um with your friend that that they can address in a way that um isn't isn't like uh i think you're you know identifying with the i statement you know you're identifying with like part of you you know the anxiety part of you yeah that's brilliant and and yeah and, and just to say about these these other things like it sounds like you know, the, the self-care part is like learning about like what it is that you, that nourishes you and the boundaries is kind of like about what, uh, you know, learning about what, uh, what diminishes you and, and, and keeping yourself from those things. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and, and you feel like that has, those, those have been like the predominant things that have kind of helped you with the bipolar. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know like a year ago, I decided I was working 
I was working till like one or two in the morning. I wasn't sleeping properly. Not something you should be doing when you have bipolar disorder <laughs> or anybody else for that matter. Sure. You probably be sleeping properly. That's just a, that's it's a, a helpful a thing. thing. It's one and of those things. Yeah. Sleep is important. <laughs> I wasn't doing that. Oh. Um, I was working way too much. I was wow. wearing myself way too thin. Sure. Um, and I was, I ended up actually, because my depression got so bad again, um, I was having a med change. And so the pre- depression got out of control and I was hospitalized for a few days. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I had agreed to when I left was that at six o'clock every day, I am done work. And so I have to shut my, my emails down. I can't respond back to clients or anything else. Um, and so that way my brain gets a chance to relax and my evenings are spent with friends or family or doing something for self-care. Um, but I'm not working late into the night in doing work for my business and setting okay. like doing that. It's changed everything. I'm more productive during the day now because I'm actually sleeping at night. Um, um, but I know at six o'clock I have to shut everything down. So I'm going to focus on this and get this done now. So that way I, I can enjoy the evening. Yeah, that's lovely. Yeah. You know, I'm curious because this is, this is like really good advice, you know, for, for almost anyone. Um, and, and specifically, you know, just cause I'm curious about like how the, how the, how the bipolar impacts you. Like, do you feel like you, you are pulled in a certain direction and that these these skills kind of help you to, to mellow things out. And, and I'm just kind of curious what the challenge is. Yeah. So I think um, the biggest thing that I have to watch out for is more the manic side of things. Um, mm. So in, in terms of, like it's both, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> With the depression side of things, um, <laughs> I know that if I'm having a lot of depression, um, it's hard to get things done. So one of the things that I've built in for myself is that if I have a deadline for Friday, my deadline is actually Wednesday. So if something happens on Tuesday mm. or Wednesday and I can't make that deadline, it's fine. I still have two days. Um, to catch up. So I, I do that with everything. I do that with my clients and my team. Um, so doing that. And then on the manic side of things, um, I just have to be so aware. Like one of the things that I, besides hurting people and running away from situations, apparently, um, <laughs> I, I spend a lot of money. Well, when you're running a business, that can be really dangerous when you have X amount of money there where you can just take off and spend it all and destroy everything in the process. Um, so I, one of the things that we did right when I first started, so got, um, I sat down with a lawyer I got my will and I got my power of attorney that literally says if, if I am manic, my dad is now in charge of my financial situation and he's just the person I picked. Um, and that could be really anybody. Um, and eventually one day, if I'm in a relationship, it can be them, but, um, it's just somebody else to step in and say, okay, you know, she's, she's not making healthy choices right now. Mm. I'm going to protect her from herself until she is. And having all that backup plan um, in places, it's been really important for me. Yeah. That sounds really, that, that does sound important. Yeah. And so, so, wow. So, so it sounds like, yeah, you're like, you're basically dealing with the, the two different sides of, of the bipolar um, and being able to see and, and plan ahead of time and, and kind of have like a, a game plan for what's going to happen, but also like a, a, a daily plan for how to keep yourself as stable as possible. All kind of play into um, 
uh, having a, having a better life. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you, do you still feel like even with those things that it's still a struggle? It can be. There's definitely days or times that I am really, I, I struggle. I have PTSD as well. Mm. So that makes things fun. <laughs> when you put everything together right. and you're like, this is an amazing week. Yeah. Um, so sometimes my life seems like a mess and I'm like, okay, if there's just, if somebody could find a pause button, feel like I'm standing in a four lane highway screaming and um, this isn't helping. So there, there is days and times that it, it's definitely a struggle, but I'm, I, every time I go through that, I learn something from it. And so I, I just, and maybe it's a forced thing that I'm like, you know what, if I'm going to suffer, I'm going to learn something with it. Mm -hmm. um, but I set new boundaries. I make new rules for myself. Um, I, I go into it fighting for, for a place where I'm going to be stable and I'm going to be safe. Um, and so that's like, that's, I find that's half the, was half the battle. I had to fight for myself. Um, mind you, having people to fight with you makes it a little bit easier right. and having the resources. Sure. Um, but like, it's just been, it's been super important for me. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. So um, I want to talk a little bit about like, you know, socially there's, there's sometimes this pressure to, to perform, right. To, to, to become a successful uh, blog runner, you know, to, to be, to work for Facebook, like, uh, and, um, in some ways, like some, sometimes mental illnesses can feed into that. They can be like, you know, especially if you're, um, having more energy, it can make you feel like, okay, like I'm going to use this to get, to become successful or to, or to avoid all the, um, all the, uh, stress of, of not being um, stable or not being secure. Um, do you feel like, yeah, and of course there's like a health balance because you know there's, there's still something that you need to pay attention to, but at the same time, like um, doing it in an unhealthy way is not sustainable. Do you mm -hmm. do you feel like um, there was that there was that pressure that that you felt before, and and do you feel it now still? Um, I know before I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I. I was, I overperformed and I, it was, it was a really big thing. Like I was working in the church. Right. I was interning. I was volunteering, um, straight A student. I was doing all the things. If I listed them up, like, it just makes me tired. <laughs> Everything <laughs> that I was doing. And I was like, I have to do it all. And, um, like I literally had an ongoing 100 things to do to do list on my wall mm. in my bedroom as a teenager wow. um, that I was like this, this I have to do all of this um, and like it was this this need to overperform and I I loved it in a way really? um, just because I was doing everything and I felt really successful now mm. looking back I'm like oh my gosh that was so unhealthy like I just it it and that's what it comes down to. It was unhealthy. Um, nobody should be able to clean their entire two-story house um, in less than an hour. Mm -hmm. um, like I just, there are things that I could do that I'm like, there's just, this does not, it doesn't, I can't comprehend how I did everything that I did. And so looking back at it now, I'm like, you know what? Uh, I wasn't making good decisions for myself. I wasn't setting those boundaries and that stuff that's really important, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm very cautious now when I do feel like I might 
be having a manic episode to okay. catch it before it goes to a full-blown one um because i i don't like what happens when i do have an episode okay yeah you know within that within um the context of your audience and like do you have you seen any stigma around um mental illness absolutely for sure um there I made a friend one time and I remember the first day we went for coffee she goes oh my gosh just I can't stand those people that blame everything on mental illness like everything's about mm. that and I was just kind of like okay but like I don't blame my stuff like anything on mental illness so I'm fine and so I didn't think anything <laughs> of it um yeah. or like I was a little bit offended but I'm like hey I'll let it pass because that's sure fine. yeah you the person that. I am I very unconfrontational so sure, sure. we we hung out and then um I posted something on Facebook about having bipolar disorder and she never talked to me again really she was just, nope done and I was like oh my gosh it was the first time somebody walked away from me just because I have bipolar disorder and I was like well that mm. really stung um but I decided I had two choices running my business because I'm very I mean I'm a social media marketer. I am everywhere on social media. Yeah, so okay. I had two choices. Um, I could never talk about my mental illness ever, um, or I could be super open about it and help people through it. And so I decided to go the super, super open route. Um, and it's, it's great. A lot of my clients, they know I have bipolar disorder. A lot of them have come to me and said, Hey, like I have depression. I have anxiety. I have this, I have that. Um, so like, I'm struggling to get this to you right now because I'm going through this and I'm like, Hey, totally cool. I understand. I got you. It's fine. Um, and so as much as there's stigma, um, there's something about being able to, to be open about it, um, that can help break the stigma as well. Wow. So do you, do you feel like, do you feel like there's anyone that, that ha so definitely people from the outside who, who don't have mental illness, who don't understand like, how it can impact a person. Mm -hmm. um, is there, is there anything that like someone who might have a mental illness might have stigma against themselves? Absolutely. For sure. Um, I honestly, so I was hospitalized last year um, and I didn't realize how much stigma I had around bipolar disorder until I was put into a hospital with other people that have bipolar disorder. And I, I, I feel horrible saying it, but I was scared to death. I was really? like, oh my gosh, I don't trust these people. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? I have bipolar disorder. This should not be that scary. But I literally like, it just, and part of that is how media portrays people with bipolar disorder. And I've always been able to distance it a little bit and be like, oh, but that's not how I am. Um, but the thing is, that's not how most people are. Um, yeah. And honestly, the people there that I talked to, they were all like, there were people in there in every state, depression and manic, and they were humans and they weren't scary. And <laughs> there, there yeah. was, I, but I had no idea until that point how much stigma I was carrying around about bipolar disorder when I had it myself. So just a lot of fear and like confusion. Yeah, not really understanding um, everything that it meant. Um, just being, you see in media and people with bipolar disorder, disorder and they're, they're going off the rails or mm -hmm. they're being violent or all these mm -hmm. things. And I just always thought to myself, you know what? 
that's not me because I'm not a violent person. I'm not a confrontational person. Mm -hmm. That's just not me. Um, and I, I'm sure there are people that may have bipolar disorder and go through that situation, but that's not everybody. So knowing right. that now and seeing that, oh my gosh, like actually <laughs> the, the people that I, I was with that were manic, they just walked a lot more and they mm -hmm. talked like a little bit faster and sometimes it was hard to follow, but like there, there was nothing, there was nothing else that was like, oh my gosh, this is terrifying. And it was all in my head. Interesting. Yeah. What, so what, what have you found that is most helpful in, um, in, in helping people to resolve that, um, that stigma? I think the biggest thing is education. So I try to, um, every time I see something or somebody says something, um, I try not to do it publicly in the sense, like, I don't want to be on somebody's Facebook page commenting sure, on their, sure. on the post and be like, this is really super offensive. Um, because I'm again, not confrontational, nor do I think that that's the best route to go, but mm -hmm. I have pulled people aside and said, Hey, like, I don't think you realize that this was actually really offensive or mm. like I've made posts before there was, um, a couple of years ago, this post flying around and it was used misusing the word bipolar. Um, and it was making it sound like um, bipolar, people with bipolar disorder were bad. And so I made a post about how bipolar is not a swear word. It is a yeah. mental illness. It's not something that just because you're having a bad day or somebody's having a bad day, it doesn't make them bipolar. That's not what a bi somebody with bipolar looks like. Um, there, was, there was one instance in a Facebook group I had posted it was a group with all these other social media managers and I posted in there talking about one of my clients and a struggle I was having. I was looking for support and somebody's like, oh my gosh, they sound bipolar. You need to run away. Wow. And I was like, uh, uh. <laughs> so I saw it and okay. I really like awkward because I was like, they don't know. Clearly they don't know that I had bipolar disorder. Then I got angry. So I walked away from my computer because you should never respond to anything when you're angry. Um, and I ended up just saying, I think you're misusing what bipolar means. I think you need to pick a different word. Um, and, and just responding as a way of educating that way. Um, do you, do you think that some people use the word, the term, um, as a, as a means of like, um, defending their behavior? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Or, or blaming somebody for their poor decisions and saying that they have bipolar disorder mm -hmm. now some people make poor decisions because they have bipolar disorder and that's totally okay sure. that's acceptable but yeah. if you don't then then don't be don't be using those words yeah definitely yeah there's a difference between having a challenge and using a using a a, a diagnosis as a way to um completely resolve your um any any means of uh responsibility yourself yeah 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 that sounds really important so you found that kind of like help helping people that like kind of see the the, the truth and, and i and see like kind of the difference between um what it really is and, and what's going on has been the most helpful mm -hmm. cool yeah um you know just just taking a step step wider, you know, I'm, I'm curious, you know, in terms of what's, 
I don't know the statistics on uh, bipolar. I don't know how common or, or not common it is. Um, but do you know, like, is, is that kind of like where you're at now is just kind of like getting more people aware of like that it is something that, that can be treated and that it is something that, that can be um, worked on? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I try to get on as many podcasts as I can just to talk about it, make it, make people realize and, and understand and hear for somebody that has bipolar disorder, that's not, um, it's not a terrifying thing. It's not, um, all the horrible adjectives that we can apply to it. Um, so that's been, that's been really important. It's been a focus of mine, um, to just try to make sure I have a support group for social media managers and virtual assistants um, that they sometimes people need to talk about their mental health without the clients seeing it. I kind of messed myself up for that one because I work with social media managers. So I mm. genuinely can't go to that space now. Um, but um, I, I'm able to like support other people and be able to um, give them a safe place to talk and without any judgment. Very cool. Wow. Well, that is a beautiful story, Nicole. Yeah, I really appreciate um, how what that you you kind of really st step stepped up and and have been making a big difference in in the in your field. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think we can um, start start to wrap things up. Um, before we ask for um, for any social media links from you, um, is there any specific um, resources that you wanted to um, connect anyone with that um, is like educational or, or um, helpful um, along the lines of what you're talking about? Yeah, so I mean, there's defyingshadows.com is my mental health blogs. You can look there for sure. Or look up The Mighty. Um, they talk about all sorts of different mental illnesses. Um, mm -hmm chronic illness, um, all, or all sorts of things. And they have dozens of writers that have written. Uh, I know I've written probably like 12 articles for them. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just, it's really great to be able to hear from other people that are struggling with it or people who are around people that struggle with it. So like the mom's point of view or, or brother or husband or wife's, everybody's different experiences. Uh, it's been really, it's a really great way to kind of understand what people are going through. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah, just to just summarize, it sounds like, you know, there's a path forward in, in educating um, yourself on, on what, what sort of skills that, that are, that are important to, to get to know yourself better, to get to know what, what, what hurts you, what, what helps you. And I'm um, getting more clarity on that is kind of the key to um, starting to um, change your life and, and change um, the way that your, your challenge presents itself, but it's, but it's not, a, it's not unaccomplishable. And uh, you, you stand as a, as a living testament to that um, that capacity. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, is there any other way that um, uh, my eyes can connect with you specifically um, or, or find you online? Uh, so, I mean, I'm everywhere except for Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> so you find me at Nicole Housen. Um, there is an H in my first name. So you just got to watch that. My parents thought it'd be fun to see if they misprinted my diploma and they totally did. So uh, Nicole with an H, <laughs> um, but you can find me just about anywhere. Okay, very cool. Well, um, for everyone listening, um, thank you for joining me on this episode and we will catch you on the next one.